0: Hello, church family. I am excited to study God's word with you this morning because think about where we've been in recent weeks. The last four Sundays, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Four Sundays celebrating the glorious news of the resurrection, the victorious resurrection from the dead of our savior Jesus. In four weeks, we got to celebrate his resurrection, but also think about, The amazing implications for us as followers of Jesus, the fact that because Jesus is alive, we too have a chance for new life, new life now and eternally with him. Four weeks in chapter 15, celebrating that good news, the gospel, the gospel being the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so this morning, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So grab your Bibles. Hope you got your Bible there with you. Uh, Open it up. Love to have you follow along with me, keeping your finger in the text. We keep our finger in God's word so that we hear from him. So open your Bible or your Bible app and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And in just a moment, we'll start there at verse one. If you've been with us, Uh, And welcome, by the way, whether you're with us all the time or whether you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us for Faith Church Online. We have been in a series of uh, messages. Our teaching series has been called Better Together, and we've actually been teaching through a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians since September. This is actually sermon uh, or, or teaching number 24 out of 25. We're wrapping up This series in 1 Corinthians today and next Sunday. Uh, It's always a great opportunity to learn from God as we teach systematically through a book of the Bible, and we've been able to do that together. So, celebrating the glorious good news of the resurrection in chapter 15, we come now to chapter 16. And if we're careful, it could feel a bit anticlimactic because as you're looking at chapter 16, you're going to see it's the end of a letter, a letter written by a church leader named Paul to some, Corinthian, uh, to some Christians in a town called Corinth, so the Corinthians. And uh, you're going to see that, that today and next Sunday is the end of the letter. But let's be careful not to assume that The wrapping up of a letter means that it's going to be boring or anticlimactic because this is God's word. And because God's word is living and active, it's relevant to us today. So as we take a closer look this morning, I think what we're going to find is that we are better together. And we're going to see that as a church community, as a church family, we need to live out our faith. We need to live in light of that good news that we've been celebrating the gospel, the resurrection. And so as, as a better together community, we, our lives are to be lived in light of that celebration, in light of what God has done for us. The gospel is good news. And so we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are good news people. So let's jump in. First Corinthians chapter 16, starting at verse one. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So, right away, we get that phrase, now concerning. Paul, the author, has been writing this letter. He and the Corinthian Christians have been exchanging letters. He's been instructing them. They've been responding with questions. He's been answering those questions. And so, a few times in this letter, we see this phrase, now concerning, as he switches topics. So, he's saying, hey, now I'm gonna to talk to you about this other topic we've been talking about or that you've asked me a question about, this offering, this collection that I am taking up. And so this, this, this collection that Paul's talking about is the fact that he's going around collecting money for needy Christians in Jerusalem. We see down in verse three that that's where this collection is headed. And Paul did this frequently. He would uh, bring relief aid, he would collect money as relief aid from churches all over and take it to where it was needed most. That probably sounds familiar to you. That's something that we continue to do. As God is generous to us, we give to those in need, both individually and as a church family. So one of the things I wanna point out first about this passage that I think is fascinating for us to not jump over is who writes it, who gives the money, where is the money headed? Think about who's involved here. This letter is written to the Corinthians, a, a Greek city. Galatia is also mentioned. So the Christians in these churches would have been mostly Gentiles, non-Jewish followers of Jesus. But the collection is being sent to Jerusalem, which would have been a church mostly made up of Jewish believers in Jesus. This is, this is two groups of people that have historically not done a great job getting along, getting along with one another. But in Christ, we are better together. In Christ, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Jewish believers in in Jerusalem know that we are better together. That, uh, That instead of, that we have this opportunity then, this letter is to the Corinthians, but also to us. We have the opportunity and we are urged to be the church, to live out this good news. And one of the ways that we can be Good news people is by overcoming barriers that divide us, not allowing socioeconomic status to divide us, not allowing racial differences to divide us, not allowing gender or anything else that could come between us, preferences and and differences and things that could separate us. Instead, as good news people, we overcome those barriers that could divide, recognizing that in Jesus, we have unity, as fellow followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in him, we we have unity. And so we have the opportunity to demonstrate our love for God by our love for others. So that's a great thing to notice about this passage, that good news people overcome dividing barriers. Let's keep going. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So another good, uh, another thing we're gonna talk about now is, is another way that we can be the good news people, the other way that we can live out this celebration of the resurrection of the good news, another way we live that out is by supporting gospel ministry. We followers of Jesus have the opportunity to participate in and support God's mission to the world. There's many ways for us to participate. There are many ways for us to support God's working in the world, his proclaiming the the greatness of Jesus, his sharing his love with those near and far. There's many ways we have the opportunity to partner in that. But this passage is talking to us about the importance of, of, of financial giving. And there's a couple of principles we can see here. First, as you look at verse two, we see that there's importance to the consistency of our giving, the consistency of our generosity. The beginning of verse two says, on the first day of every week. So whether you give weekly, whether you give monthly, doesn't matter. But the point is that there's consistency. It's not just haphazard here or there. If you have the money, not if you don't. There's consistency. The other thing we see is, that it's important to have intentionality about our giving, about our generosity. Intentionality, look in verse two, how it says, each of you is to put something aside, store it up. So in other words, there's a plan. There's deliberateness about our giving. We're we're making a plan. We're setting it aside. We're, We're being intentional about the importance of honoring God by being generous with our finances. And the other thing we see here is that we give proportionally. It says there in verse two, as each may prosper. So as God blesses you, as God provides income for you, everything that we have is a gift from God. As he prospers you, we are to give proportionally. In other words, there's not a certain fee, a certain set amount that every one of us or every family has to give. We give proportionally. As God blesses us, we set aside a, pro, a portion of that for him. And, and God encourages, the Bible encourages that it's of our first fruits, the, the first part of our income, the first part of our harvest that we give back to him. Not waiting to see if there's any leftover, not seeing, but, but instead trusting him, giving first and trusting him to provide and care for us. So we wanna give with consistency, intentionality, and we wanna give proportionally. See, uh, Faith Church is supported solely by God's generosity to us through you, through our church family. God's people, you, the the, the church family of Faith Church, um, are so generous with your giving that it, it that it enables all that we have going on in and through our church to happen. See, we believe that that giving, that generosity, is. Uh, one of the ways that God would have you express your commitment to this church family. If this is your church, if if this is your church family, if you believe in what God is doing in and through the ministry here and the way that he's working and the way that we care for one another and proclaim the greatness of Jesus to others near and far, if you want to join in, be part of participate in what God is doing and in sending that good news near and far, then rather than, now we've all done this, rather than scrounging through our pockets or rummaging through our purse for, for what's left over or what coins we can, we can scrounge up as, the, as we see the offering bags coming down the aisle and, and giving what we can, instead of that, we've all done that perhaps, instead of that, this passage is calling for consistency, intentionality, and proportional giving. And Faith Church is so thankful. On behalf of of Faith Church, I can say that that we are thankful for God's generosity to us uh, through your giving. So, you know, an important question comes up here. As you give so generously, and as as God provides for this church through you, can you trust where your money's going? Is your money safe? And those are good questions. And and, you know, let's continue in the passage here because I think that was something in Paul's mind as he wrote to the Corinthians to assure them uh, about this area. Verse three, Paul writes, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit. In other words, he says, I will send some of you that you authorize, people that you trust. I will send by letter those people to carry your gift, this offering, these finances to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is so important, really. He's assuring them that there's checks and balances, that their their money isn't just going who knows where, that they're not entrusting the money to just anyone, but there are checks and balances in place to make sure that their generosity gets to the destination it's supposed to and is used for what it's supposed to be used for. And I can tell you that That's true around here as well. As you give to Faith Church, we make every effort to handle money carefully with checks and balances, with multiple people, multiple eyes on the processes and participating so that there's no questions, so that you can have no concern, so that you can rest assured that the money that you sacrifice and offer to the Lord by giving to our church gets where it's supposed to get to. And that is to supporting the ministry of Faith Church, to making the work of God through Faith Church in Dallas, Oregon, possible. And, and for your generosity, we're thankful. So again, I say, thank you. Uh, you. You can give online at our website. You can mail checks to the church office. And before long, hopefully sooner than later, we'll be again gathered together in person together, and, and you'll be able to give in person again at some point. Uh, though... Maybe we won't pass offering bags. We'll see. If you have any questions about that, if we can help you in any way with online giving or any of that, be sure to reach out and let us know how we can help you. So, good news people overcome barriers that divide. Good news people support the work of God, gospel ministry to the world. And here's the last one that we'll talk about. Gospel people, good news people share life together. Let's continue starting back at, in, the, in, the, in our passage at verse five. Listen to these travel plans. Paul seems to be just telling them about his travel plans. But as we read verses five and following, are these just, is this just an itinerary or do we get a glimpse of Paul's heart here? Let's look. Verse five. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you Or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Followers of Jesus, because of what he has done for us, because of the gospel, because of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus and the implications for us, good news people. Share life together and encourage one another and care for one another and strengthen one another. It's interesting to look back at verses three and four. Even in those verses that are talking about how the offering, how the collection is taken to Jerusalem, we see the importance of people. Verse three, Paul is saying, I'm not just sending the money, I'm sending you. I'm sending people to connect with people. In verse four, Paul is willing to go himself Because people connecting with people and caring for one another is a part of following Jesus. So even now, as you sit in your home, even now as we honor stay home, stay healthy recommendations, even now with lives that are disrupted and and sometimes frustrating, even now, how can we honor God by getting to know people, really caring for people, listening to people, And and that includes people that are different than us. How can we continue to be the church and continue to be conduits of God's love and proclaimers of the good news, even in these circumstances? We can, God can, through you. Because remember, church is not a building. Church is not an event. Church is not simply 10, 15 a.m. on Sunday morning. The church is God's people. The church is you. Church is not a building. Church is not an event. The church is God's people joining with God in his mission of love to the world. The local church, faith church, we do that together here in Dallas, Oregon. The universal church, all Christians everywhere. God's people. And, 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 and good news people are better together Good news people overcome dividing barriers. We support the work of the gospel and we share life together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we worship you. Oh God, we lift our eyes to you. We want to recognize you in our lives. We want to we look to you in awe as our creator as the God above all things, as our sustainer, as the, as the one who makes it all possible, who makes life possible, we look to you, our great and awesome God. We thank you that you are also a loving, heavenly Father. God, we thank you for sending your Son. We, th- we, we consider the cross where Jesus died so that we could live. We consider the cross and we thank you, God, for your rescue plan that that by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can be made right with you, put back in relationship with you, adopted into your family. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. As we consider the cross, we ask you to forgive us, Father. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the ways that we fear. Forgive us the ways that we strive to earn or to behave or to match up. Father, forgive us for the things that we try to control. But rather, God, would you teach us, would you help us to learn to entrust ourselves to you in every way. Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for the glorious, victorious resurrection from the dead of your son. And now as we looked at uh, chapter 16, God, we... We say that we want to live in light of that good news. Would you help us as your followers, as your people, to live lives in light of the good news? People that, that proclaim Jesus and share your love in all that we do and say. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church family, before we continue in worship, I want to update you a bit too. I want to let you into some things that we've been talking about and thinking about because I want to ask you to join us in thinking and praying and preparing ourselves for these things. Because again, I want to remind us, our building, our church building may be closed, but the church has never been closed. Faith Church has never been closed. We are rightfully honoring Um, stay-home recommendations and and, and physical distancing recommendations. But the church is not on lockdown because while the building may be closed, the church is being the church, and we have never stopped that, honoring God as we love him and love others and help others to know and follow him. So I, I know that the part we miss, though, I know the part we all miss is, is, is being together in person. And, and we should miss that because we are commanded to gather together. And there are ways in this season that we are gathering together. It just looks and feels different than it has. So I know we all look forward to worshiping together in person, to being back in our building together. And we will be. But I think it's important for us to think about what this reopening will look like. What what will church be like when we have a chance to be back in person? I think it's important for us to think realistically here and be aware and begin to pray and think about how it will look different than we wish or prefer. Because here, for example, when the governing authorities or health authorities begin to ease these restrictions, um, I want you to know that we probably won't be back in the building that Sunday. When this news comes out, when the restrictions are eased, there's going to be adjustments to make and, and, and planning that's needed. And we're getting ahead of that planning as we can, but we probably won't be back in, in the building immediately. Another example is that um, when we do begin to gather in person again, it likely will not be two or 300 people in the same room at the same time. It will likely be that as we begin to be in person together It will be in the ways that we can do so safely, in the ways that we can do so honoring the authorities, and in the ways that we can do so taking good care of you and wanting the best for you. So please just be aware with me of the fact that there's lots of factors here, lots of things that we are taking into consideration, lots of planning that's gonna be needed. Once the restrictions are eased, once we know what the new uh, uh, ramifications are, then we'll adjust and we'll plan, but the staff will need some time. We'll need to see if we have volunteer teams in place that are available. Um, So we will get back to being together in person as best we can, as soon as we can, but we wanna do so in a way that honors God, that keeps all of you safe. And then another of the factors is, even amongst us, there's gonna be different levels of comfort with being back together in person. Some, some of you may be chomping at the bit, you'd be here in person this morning, if we let you. Others of you are rightfully more cautious. Perhaps you're in a more at risk or vulnerable category. And even when restrictions are eased, it probably will be best for you to remain at home or to continue physical distancing uh, and those kind of things. So we are gonna, of course, continue to, to offer this option online. Offer for you to participate in church and in worship and in study of God's word by joining us online. That will continue. And, and we want you to make the best decisions for you. And we will plan as best we can uh, to care for everyone in the best way possible. So please know that staff are thinking and brainstorming, that elders are, are brainstorming, that we're working together and praying and asking God to show us so that when the restrictions do ease, We'll communicate with you. We'll let you know what the next steps are and when those will begin. Um, but I'd encourage you. I would encourage you. And, and we hurt. We hurt with those of you that have been negatively impacted by this. We, we hurt with, with those that are sick or we hurt with those who have, have been negatively impacted financially. Um, I would encourage you as we go through all of this uncertainty and as we experience these difficulties together, when you feel worried, when you feel frustrated, when you maybe even feel angry, take a moment to rest in our great God and know that God is good, that he is sovereign over all things, that he has good purposes for us in this, even though we might not be able to see it now for you individually, for your family, for us as a church family, God has good purposes in store. If if we're leaning into him, if we're entrusting ourselves to him and we're looking for what those opportunities are, what does he wanna teach us? Be patient, church family. Pray with us and pray for us as we plan and prepare. Ask that God would give us wisdom of what's best uh, for us here in our setting, in our town, and with the various factors in our area, thanks in advance for seeking God with us. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for knowing and trusting that God will show us what he has for us. Now, let's continue to celebrate that good news. Let's continue to thank God for all that he has done for us through Jesus. Let's ask God as we give our gifts, as we lift our voices, as we pray together this morning, let's ask God to help us be Good news people.